want you to go with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. As we begin today, we start the new year with eight days of prayer as a church. I think this is a very important time for us as a church, a very important privilege that's ours to pray, important responsibility to pray. You might be wondering, though, why eight days of prayer? Or maybe the better question is, why pray? Why pray as God's people? I, I hope you're already convinced that prayer is important, but I'm not going to take that for granted this morning. We might be asking that question, why eight days of prayer? Or, or why pray as God's people? I mean, isn't God in control, right? Isn't He in control anyway? Doesn't God already know all about our needs? So why pray? And why do we pray together in each of our worship services? And why do we have prayer meetings like we do each Wednesday night where we gather together and pray as a church? Why take time for undistracted moments of prayer with our spouses? Why should we pray with our children at home? Why pray with our brothers and sisters, our our siblings? Why pray with our grandchildren? Why pray with our friends? Why, why pray with our neighbors? Why preach on prayer? Why should we pray as God's people? In answer to those questions, and we may have asked them ourselves at one time or another, I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 18. I'm, I'm going to give you three reasons why we should pray. There are a lot more reasons, I think, than three, but, but these, I think, are the big three. Three very important reasons why we should pray. I'll give them to you so you'll know where we're going this morning. We're commanded to pray, first of all. That's reason number one. Jesus prayed, reason number two. And number three, the early church prayed. And I think one of the clearest answers to those questions I asked about why pray, about why we should pray together this week, I think is found in a simple statement by Luke about a parable Jesus told to his disciples, and we find it in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Listen as I read. We see it here. We're commanded to pray. First of all, it says in verse 1, chapter 18 of Luke, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And verse 6 says, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says? And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the powerful sword, the two-edged sword of the word that we have the privilege of holding in our hands. And this morning, I pray, God, that you would take that word and put it in our hearts. Use it in our minds to shape our thinking about this special privilege that's ours, this privilege to talk to you as we do right now in prayer, knowing that you work, knowing that you hear, knowing you care and answer our prayers. Lord, help us to trust you more and help us to pray more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are commanded to pray. The greatest reason for prayer is that, I think. The Bible teaches us to pray. It commands us to pray. As God's people, we're commanded to pray. Luke says it in verse 1. He points to it anyway in verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray. They ought always to pray and not lose heart. And then in verses 7 and 8, we hear Jesus' words, And will not God... Give justice to his elect who cry to him, that's prayer, who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? And the answer is, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. The answer is no, he will not delay. He will not ignore his children who call to him in prayer. Why pray? Because as believers, simply... (laughs) We are commanded to pray. We're taught by God's word to pray, and God answers prayer. But it's not only here in Luke 18. Repeatedly in God's word, believers are commanded to pray. Um, Of course, how could we not mention 1 Thessalonians 5.17, right? Whose, Whose verse is almost shorter than the reference. And here in its context, verses 16 and 18, listen to it, um, Verse 16, rejoice always. You want to start memorizing God's word, that's a good place. Rejoice always, says verse 16. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. And then verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Constant rejoicing, constant praying, constant thankfulness. I like how the prayers are bookended by the rejoicing and the thankfulness, don't you? An important lesson for us that could turn into a sermon someday, I think. Not today. But that's important. There are important truths here that remind us we're to pray. We're commanded to pray. We're taught to pray. We're admonished to pray. We're encouraged to pray. We're given reasons for prayer. We're shown answers for prayer. Here's the point. God's command to his children is that they pray. We hear it elsewhere in Scripture as well. Romans 12.12, rejoice in hope, be patient, in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
And in the words of the psalmist, Psalm 55, verse 17, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. We pray and God hears. We pray and he answers. I hope that's the attitude of our hearts this week as we, I hopefully, learn to faithfully pray more faithfully. And many of you likely are faithful prayers. I hope you are strengthened and increase in your prayer life. And some of you who, who don't spend much time at all in prayer, I hope you, you get the bug for prayer this week and learn to pray faithfully and, and that you find that it's true of you. As the psalmist says, evening and morning and at noon, all day long I'm praying and I'm calling out to God and He hears my voice and He answers my prayer. I think often the challenge is this, not that we need to learn how to pray, but we need to learn to pray. We need to learn to pray. I was challenged by that recently. I've heard um, Tom Harmon preach in person several times. The last time I heard him preach, he talked some about prayer. He's got a book on prayer. I bought it. I, I've read some of the book already. I haven't finished it yet, but very early on, he, he challenges with this idea that, that more than learning how to pray, we need to learn to pray. We need to do it. We read books about prayer, we hear sermons preached, we read the Bible about prayer, and often we say, I want to learn how to pray, but we never stop and say, I want to learn to pray. We've got to start. We've got to be praying. We've got to be prayerful people. And it's very clear in God's Word, again and again, we have these reminders, these commands to pray. And when we pray, God listens, He hears, and fundamentally that means He answers our prayers. If God hears, it means He answers. God doesn't sit by idly and say, nice prayer, that one. That was good, and doesn't do anything about it. God answers prayers when He hears them, He answers. And so we're commanded to pray, just as we see here in Luke 8, uh, 18, verses 7 and 8. When He hears, He answers prayer. He will not delay long. But that's not the only reason, is it? We also have the example of Jesus. Jesus prayed. And you may not think much of that, but I, I hope to change your opinion about that. Jesus prayed, and that's amazing. Jesus prayed. Our, our lives are to follow the pattern of Jesus, and Jesus prayed. That's a challenge to us to also be prayerful people. S. Lewis Johnson speaks of Jesus' habit of prayer, saying, Although he is earth's sovereign and divine soul, he prayed. If Jesus Christ, who was very God and a very God as well as a as very man, a very man should pray, then of course I should expect to pray also. Jesus Christ, who is the sovereign and divine soul of earth, prayed. I mean, think of it. Yes, I I see in the scriptures as you read about the life of Christ, you see a habit of prayer. It was Jesus' habit to pray. Mark says of Jesus in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. He got alone. He got away from the busyness of all the activities, of all the things. Remember, people were coming to Jesus wherever he went, and he was preaching and teaching and healing and casting out demons. And what did he do? Important work, yes, but yet he found time to get away because he, Jesus Christ, needed to pray. Matthew fourteen nineteen shows us that Jesus prayed over his meals. Uh, there's an example of that here. 
uh, verse 19 in Matthew 14, Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and then he broke the loaves and gave them to, to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Jesus prayed over his meals. We also see in Luke chapter 9 and verse 28, Jesus going up with Peter and John and James to to a mountain to pray. And now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And there he prayed. Jesus' habit was one of a habit of prayer. And in Luke 5, verses 15 and 16, it says this, But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. I mean, just think of it, would you? This is Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, and yet he knew it was important that he spent time in prayer Think of this, the one of whom Colossians 1, 15-20 speaks. Just think of the, the truths that we find in that passage, Colossians 1, and verse 15 starts out telling us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and yet we find in God's Word that He prayed. Verse 16, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And yet, He prayed, right? Verse 17, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And yet, yep, you get the idea. You can say it with me. He prayed, right? Jesus prayed. Think of this. Verse 18, And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. And yet, He prayed, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and yet he prayed. Jesus prayed before his meals. He prayed with others. He went alone. He went alone and prayed. He went with others and prayed. He spent time in prayer. It was the habit of his daily living. And if Jesus found it necessary to pray then how much more should we, mere human beings, find it necessary to pray? We're commanded to pray in God's Word. God's Word teaches us, encourages us, challenges us, gives us instruction about prayer, and then gives us examples. One of the greatest examples of prayer is Jesus Christ Himself. And then we also have the example of the early church. The early church saw their need of prayer and did just that. They gathered together for prayer. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. They devoted themselves to prayer. They prayed because they knew they needed God's help. This was after the ascension of Christ into heaven, right? Maybe no better time for them to stop and say, "Uh Uh-oh, Jesus is gone. Now we really need to pray. Listen, we don't have Jesus to walk and talk in our midst. We do have His Holy Spirit who indwells us and instructs our hearts and encourages and equips us. But He he does much of that as we talk to Him in prayer, as we spend time in His Word and obey His Word and pray. God encourages and equips us by His Spirit. But we shortchange ourselves when we refuse to pray, when we refuse to give it an important part of our day. 
Speaking of the early believers in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship of the breaking of bread and the prayers. They got together, they fellowshiped, they even ate together, they taught the word, but they didn't neglect prayer. And speaking of the apostles, Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That was the leaders of the church. They gave themselves to these two things primarily, the, the prayer and the ministry of the word. Listen, if, if those who lead the church don't pray, if those who make up the church don't pray, we shortchange ourselves as a fellowship. We cripple ourselves. We handicap ourselves if we don't take advantage of this privilege of prayer that God has given us, talking to Him, telling Him about, telling him about our deepest needs, our, our deepest concerns, the things that trouble us most, or the people that we're most concerned for, that they, they find Christ or be obedient to Christ if we don't pray about these things. We will be weak and ineffective as a church. And again, speaking of the early believers, Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31 shows them praying. After Peter and John were warned about preaching the name of Christ, we find this in Acts chapter 4. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon your, their threats, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Do you see what the early church did when they were presented with a time of confrontation or they were challenged to shut their mouths about Jesus? What was their first and most natural response? It wasn't a complaint. They didn't stand around and go, oh no, now what are we going to do? We need to form some kind of a, a party, a committee to, to kind of, uh, you know, rebel against the society and the leadership of the community. No. They turned to God in prayer. Oh, we need to learn that our first response to opposition ought to be prayer. Our first response to discouragement, to trouble, to trials ought to be prayer. Just as they prayed in in verse 31 it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. God answers prayer. So here are the early believers praying together, praying to God for boldness, and God answers their prayers and gives them boldness to keep preaching and speaking the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder if we're any less in need of boldness today than they were. No, I would suggest we may need more boldness than they. Often we're ineffective and weak in our witness because we don't have the boldness that we need and we don't have it because we haven't asked for it. Oh, we need to pray. 
We need to pray that souls will be saved, yes, but we also need to pray for boldness to tell people they need to be saved. We are not any, any less in need of boldness today than they were then. We desperately need God's power working in us and through us as we serve Him for His glory's sake. We cannot serve Him without His power. We can serve Him. We can try to do it in our own power, but we will be ineffective without His power at work in us and in the answers to our prayers. And so we pray. Many of you have already made commitments to pray for one another and for the ministry in which God has joined us together, and yet it's possible that some of you this morning still haven't committed to praying together. I hope before you leave today that you'll reach into your program and take out that blue slip. We're going to take just a moment here before we finish to give ourselves to to prayer, to asking for God's equipping this week and, and strength and encouragement. You have an adversary, the devil, who is seeking to keep you from praying this week. Many of you have committed to praying for a certain amount of time. Some of you five minutes, some of, some of you 15 minutes, some of you 30 minutes, some of you an hour. Whatever the time is that you've committed between you and God to give to, your, to, to God in prayer this week, I want to pray for you this morning. And I want you to pray for yourselves that God will equip you and hold you accountable and give you strength and encouragement to, to resist Satan's efforts to keep you from praying. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time, this day that you've given us, and this opportunity to gather together to to learn from your word, to be encouraged and challenged. And God, I pray that you would help us to give ourselves faithfully and obediently, not just to these eight days of prayer, but from now on that we would pray faithfully for one another, for for the needs that we express to one another, the needs that are so obvious at times and some that aren't. Help us to share our concerns and burdens and requests with one another. Help us to pray. Help us to trust you in the answers to our prayers, praying like Jesus prayed, not my will be done, but yours in all situations, knowing that that you, Lord, will always answer our prayers in a way that's best for us, maybe not in the way that we prayed them. So, Lord, help us, teach us, encourage us to be content with the answers to, to the prayers that you give us and help us to trust you. Help us to abide by your word. Help us to live by it, to grow by it, to be encouraged and strengthened by your word as we pray. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen your church to be faithful to their commitment this week, to pray for the period of time that they've committed to, and that you would use this time in this week to to strengthen us and embolden us to be prayer-filled and faithful and prayerful people, not just during these eight days, but far beyond as we trust in you to do the work that you intend to do in us and through us, making us more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ, as we walk in obedience to your word and we commune with you in prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.